Well, folks, winter meetings are here, and that means things are going to start ramping up in the world of the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're going to talk about winter meetings, what happens now. Jim Leland headed to Cooperstown, looking back on his career and more on today's episode of Locked On Pirates. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to that podcast, the Locked On Pirates podcast. You're the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates every day. My name is Ethan Smith, your host of this wonderful show. And moving forward, uh, Tuesdays will probably be the first episode of the week, as after this week, we are in off-season mode here on the Locked On MLB podcast. So you will be getting episodes Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That fits easiest into my schedule. Now, obviously... If there's breaking news on a Friday or a Monday or even a Saturday, I will probably be all over it. So don't worry on that end. Don't worry if they sign Eduardo Rodriguez on a Friday and I don't talk about it until Tuesday. No, we will make sure you get an episode of some sort on Friday. And as usual, the first episode of the week is usually joined by Gary Morgan, who is busy over inside the Bucks basement. And I will be as well in the absence of other these uh, these other shows, because I need to get back to my writing fix. But Gary, how are you today on this wonderful Tuesday? I'm doing good, man. Really am. Good. And um, I took the day off yesterday because I think uh, this weekend, before we get into Pirates talk, might have been the worst football weekend I've had in quite some time. Um, it, it's, yeah, it, as you guys know, I'm a diehard Georgia fan. You can't see it back here. Diehard Steelers fan, all that good stuff. So I'd rather just not play a football game Thursday. I don't play, but I'd rather not have to watch one again on Thursday that I care about. But here we are. And uh, sorry, America, for giving you a game that has an over-under of 30 on Thursday. But anyways, winter meetings are here. We've heard Ben Sherrington say the exact same things that he said when the season ended. I, I think that a lot of people have picked up on that. You don't have to be smarter than a fifth grader to pick up on the fact that Ben Charrington has been saying the same things since the season ended. They have been deep in the free agent starting pitching market. They've been talking to everybody, according to what he said. They've been very active. They've been trying to make this team better. And now that winter meetings are here, I think people kind of expected, and I said this on Sunday, that things were going to start happening. But they're not going to all happen at once. Pirates are not going to sign three starters all in one day. It's not going to happen. So when I ask the question, what happens now? Well, now you're going to actually start hearing stuff from reliable sources about players that the Pirates are interested in, like a Jack Flaherty, who some people believe could be potentially a pirate at some point they signed um and it's sad and this is probably showing a little bit i already forgot his name uh ben heller there we go they did sign ben heller to a minor league deal today as well and and sometimes i feel like it's okay to just admit that you don't know who a player is folks i don't know who ben ben heller is i i will just be honest with that but that is a signing that the pirates made this morning i could help a little bit on it if you want I mean, well, sure. That... Yeah. That's usually like I bring in friends sometimes <laughs> to help me with these things because I'm just like, I have no clue. 
Ben Heller is a a pitcher with some really good stuff. Um, he just for the first time hit 98 miles an hour in a major league game this year. He's healthy uh, for the first time in quite some time. Health has been his biggest hangup. Uh, I don't know what the Pirates see him as, a bullpen arm or a potential starter. Either way, minor leagues, it, it's nothing wrong with bringing in some some talent that you think could yeah. turn into something, and if nothing else, provides you a little depth. That's all he is, is a little depth. You don't need to know him super well. You just need to know they signed an arm for the minor leagues. They're going to need those. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that a lot of people are losing sight of as well. Yeah, it's all fine and dandy, Gary, if they go out and sign these two or three major league starters. But then let's say, because it happens all the time, one of them goes down with injury. Well, that's where Ben Heller, according to what your analysis of it is, would come in to the fold, potentially. And you want to have as many arms available to you as possible. We or saw he's got that. major league experience. Yeah. You give him a shot in spring, and if he wins a spot, he wins a spot. It's, it's really... He's got almost as much major league experiences like a, a Bailey Falter would, or even a Quinn Priester. So if you want to, I mean, he's older than them, but if you want to give a guy a shot, you're going to give the guy a shot. I think their, their rotation is probably going to wind up having a couple holes that are going to get filled with somebody that comes to camp prospect, somebody that's already given us a shot. Why not somebody like this? It, that's all you need to think about. You don't need to think that they think he's an answer. You just need to know that they think he could be. That's yeah, all. I don't, and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, is going out and getting these little guys that you never know might turn out into something. And with winter meetings here as well, obviously you have the big news around baseball that Shohei Otani might sign this week and Eduardo Rodriguez might sign before he does. And you're hearing Randy Rosarena and the entire Rays roster is up for trade right now. And people are flipping their lid about Seattle trading all their players when they're trying to compete, not realizing that they're trying to pay players around Julio Rodriguez that they like to keep a core for a while. And there, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yep. And for the Pirates, too, there's a lot of stuff going on. Folks, I know it's easy to get in the idea that when you boot up your PlayStation 5 and play MLB 23 the show and just simulate to the offseason, as the Pirates general manager, quote-unquote, you can just go to a player, hit a button, overpay them by $500,000, and they're yours. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Because Ben has said that he's talked to a large portion of the starting pitching market in free agency, I think people get lost, Gary, in how many pitchers are free agents in this cycle. There are a lot. There are a there lot are. of pitchers, and he's doing his due diligence, I believe. Now, I don't know this, but I believe he's doing his due diligence, going through the guys that he really wants, but then also having a plan B just in case he doesn't get those guys. Here's my big takeaways from everything that Ben Charrington has said. And I do like that people keep questioning him. I do like that people keep asking, you know, are you looking? Are you talking? And, I, and the reason that I like that is because every time they bring it up, it gives him a fresh opportunity to back off or double down on what he said. 
They have not backed off on saying that they want to try to be a playoff team this year. They have not backed off on saying that they're going out actively looking for pitching. They have not backed off on talking about seeking trades. And Jack Flaherty, they're probably not going to sign Jack Flaherty because I think it's going to come down to him wanting multiple years, and I think he'll get multiple years from somebody. The Pirates don't want to give him multiple years. I can understand that. If the Pirates did give him multiple years, he might be the best pitcher they sign. I'm not 100% sure I want that to be the case. So um, I guess for me, I take away from it, Ben's not hiding from his comments. So at the very least, whatever team they put together here, I have no choice but to believe he thinks it's a team that can make the playoffs. That's what he said his goal was. He's the one out there shopping. And if he doesn't put together a team that I think could make the playoffs, and and I end up being right, <laughs> I'll hold him accountable based on his own words. The words he's had multiple opportunities now to back away from. And he hasn't. Yeah, yeah and I can agree with that stance as well because, I mean – all over MLB network yesterday, or that was either yesterday or the day before he was sitting at that desk for quite a bit. And he had every opportunity to say, well, I know I said this in October, but with the way things have shaken down with the Johan Oviedo injury, maybe we should rethink things. And he's had every opportunity to say that yet. He continues to stay put on where he's at. And honestly, I know a lot of people are saying when you look at the roster now, a lot of people would obviously say probably not a playoff team, but it's no, it's still December 5th. (laughs) I mean, they still have time. It's not like this is a thing where, Oh, it's over with. They're done. Like I also think that people tend to, again, you talk about that MLB, the show mentality, but I think sometimes people forget that, just because a kid is right now rated as a 73 player doesn't mean that next year he won't come in and play like a 79 or an 80, right? Like you you can grow. And I think a lot of these kids will, and some of them will take steps back. And that's why you have too many seemingly at certain Mm -hmm. positions. And uh, one place they don't have too many is pitching. They have a lot of options. They don't have a lot of, things you can have faith in stuff we've said for years now you know we worried about this happening and it's happened the pitcher took too long to develop that's all and i think they're trying to buy time this year because ultimately for this thing to be successful four of those five starters probably need to be internally grown and or acquired via trade yeah And I think that's a great way of thinking about it as well. We'll continue to talk about this as well as Jim Leland heading to baseball's, uh, what would the word be? Baseball's Mecca, I guess is what it would be in Cooperstown. But before we do that, we're going to talk about Chase Medical. Well, folks, obviously it's that time of year where weather changes and people get sick and you should be empowered to take care of yourself with Chase Medical because I know we've come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But can we talk for just a minute about preparing for tough situations? Whether you're on extended travel, like our friend Gary over here who travels for work, 
bracing for a major weather event or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Jace Medical has the Jace case. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sign uh, I will not pronounce that word. Skin infections, among others, this stuff could happen to any of us. So visit Jace Medical and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost because it has never been more important to be prepared today. So go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your first order. Well, everybody, thank you as, to Jace Medical, as always, for being a wonderful sponsor to this show. And welcome back to the Lockdown Pirates podcast as well. The continuation of a uh, Peek at the Future series, the series I started last week will be tomorrow. We'll be talking about second base, as uh, Gary talked about a plethora of players at a position. Well, yeah, that's one. So that's going to be a fun episode tomorrow. What I found interesting now, is winter meetings always offers these little nuggets for your team, especially the Pirates, where you hear things that you didn't expect to hear. And we got one of those this week already with Derek Shelton speaking about Henry Davis. And the biggest question I think a lot of us have had for Henry Davis is would he be a catcher going into next season or would he be in, in right field or at first base or somewhere else? And Derek Shelton emphatically appeared to say that the focal point for him in 2024 will be catching. And then Ben Sherrington kind of doubled down on that and said, we don't know who our starting catcher is. I think some people would probably just lean towards ND because he's the guy who played there most of the time last season. But I feel like that was fun to kind of have a conversation about as well is what is the maturation of Henry Davis like as a catcher, do you think, Gary? I mean, what I hear is good. So, I mean, <laughs> Michael McHenry has been working with him, and he uh, he's told me a couple times now that I'll be much more impressed with him behind the dish next year than, than I have been, and, and he's worked on technique, and he's worked on it in the background quite a bit. Um, I would just kind of turn this around on you, Ethan. Let's have a little thought exercise, huh? Mm-hmm. JT Real Muto and Sean Murphy. Uh, who else you got as far as dual threat catchers? Do you go Alejandro Kirk, maybe? Will Smith. Like, yeah. So you got like what four, maybe four, five maybe, in the maybe five, six max. Right. So the Pirates have two potentials. And that's what they are. And he's a potential. He didn't hit last year in the majors. People don't really think about that or want to think about that he did get better defensively he does have elite pop time he does throw out runners henry's got a great arm too um henry's been a catcher for a long time too uh, henry's bat also didn't really perform we saw flashes from both of them you know we see what there is to like but there's potential that both of these kids could be that kind of catcher that really is possible and both of these kids could play elsewhere too. To me, 
when you talk about the scarcity of a player like that in this league, you're doing yourself a disservice, I think, if you don't at least try both of them, right? Yeah. Like, don't you want that? Like, I think you want that. And with the rule changes coming with the Robo-Ump at some point, probably by 2025 or 2026, I'm not sure that framing is going to be the huge scene that it is mm -hmm. right now. I really don't think it will be. Um, I, To me... I think it just comes down to the odds are in your favor that you're going to get one of these guys to pan out and you shouldn't necessarily put your hand on the scale right now. Yeah. And I think that's a great way of thinking about it. And to go back to, I, I think I would throw Adley Rushman in that conversation, but again, yeah, that was a good one. But either, either way, you're, you're talking four or five. Yeah, it's still like way less than one third of the league that has the opportunity to have these guys on their roster. And what I think, too, and me and Gary have had this conversation plenty of times, is let's say in a perfect world that Andy and Henry both turn out to be those players. So what do you do at that point? Do you keep both of them? Do you kind of like just work one of them as a DH or do you not get married to the idea of having both of them and create a world where either Henry Davis or Andy Rodriguez is the focal point of a package for you that brings you back something you thought you could never have because of having that kind of player. I think that's something down the line. Now these are all things that really, again, count on do they pan out to eventually be that player? Yeah, and, you have to think yeah. like that because, again, like we just said, the scarcity of the position. I can't remember the last time a team had two that were like that. You know, and I don't know that you will. I do like the potential of beyond 2024 having the DH spot kind of float between the two of them and they just alternate back there behind the dish and mm -hmm. stay fresh and the one that isn't hitting is catching and vice versa. And I like the idea of that on the surface. I think it's a luxury. I think it's a luxury that this team will probably not be able to afford to keep because they'll, they'll eventually have to, I think, use that talent as currency to get something else that they can't afford or didn't develop. If they both work out, like, like we keep saying. Yeah. And I think that, Kind of is it the rate, like I would say it's the Tampa Bay Rays model a little bit. That's something that we've seen the Rays do a lot. And based on winter meeting stuff that we've heard, that's something that appears they're going to do again is they developed Randy Rosarena after acquiring him via a trade. He's gotten to this point. You could probably turn him for a pretty good profit, I would say, in terms of prospects or whatever you're looking for. And for the Pirates, I know a lot of people, again, and I'm the same way, like Leover Piguero, love the kid, my, one of my favorite players on the roster. But if they were to trade Leover Piguero today for a starting pitcher, I, I mean, I'm not going to, like, go to Pittsburgh with pitchforks and torches trying to, like, find Ben Charrington and figure yeah. out where he's at. I, I'd also say, like, Andy and Henry are on the exact same service time schedule. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, relatively speaking, you know, they're, 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 they're different, but not that much. No. They're both going to come up at the same time for arbitration. They're both going to 
you know, go through the process together. If they both do pan out, uh, you know this team isn't going to extend both of them. So at some point, they're going to choose one, mm-hmm. and then they'll send out the one that they didn't choose as currency. That's just the way it is. It's what Tampa does. They pick somebody that they're going to keep. They pick somebody they're not going to keep. Glassnow's not somebody they're going to extend. So they're going to trade him. Rosarena is not someone they're going to extend. So they're going to trade him. And they're going to trade him while he has so much service time availability left that they're going to get way more than he's worth. Mm-hmm. As good a player as he is, he's got warts. Does strike out a ton, you know. <laughs> He's not the greatest defender in the world. So, I mean, there are things to not like about Randy Rosarena, but they're going to get a King's Ransom for him because whoever gets him has him for three years. Yep. And I think that's a great way of thinking about it. I do. And when you look at all this too, obviously hypotheticals, these are all hypotheticals, but what is not a hypothetical Gary and a person that will help me talk about this a lot is Jim Leland heading to Cooperstown? He is headed there. No ifs, ands, or buts, no hypotheticals about it. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Alrighty, everybody, and welcome back to the final segment of today's episode of Locked On Pirates here on the Locked On Podcast Network. However, you're listening, be that Apple Podcast, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, or YouTube. Or wherever you get your podcast, just make sure you subscribe, hit your notification bell so you know when these episodes come out, all of that good stuff. But finally, some good news in this offseason for the Pittsburgh Pirates, I guess a little bit, is that Jim Leland is headed to Cooperstown, was voted in to the Hall of Fame over the weekend. A classy move from Derek Shelton to be there. Although, obviously, he was going, I think, to be at winter meetings anyway. But still still a very good look for him to be there. And Jim Leland, um, obviously, I never really got to see him, if at all, as the Pirates manager. I would probably know him more as the Detroit Tigers manager, just based off of my age and when I was born. Um, Obviously, had great success, I'd say, at both places. Uh, had a near World Series appearance with Pittsburgh in 92, 91 or 92, because that then started the whole thing. Obviously, he had a World Series appearance with the Tigers as well, correct? Or did he mm-hmm. nearly get, yeah. So yep. obviously one of those guys that you're going to look back on in baseball lore and say, hey, he was obviously pretty successful because any manager – that can get to the World Series or even the Championship Series, in my opinion, is a pretty successful manager in my book. What are your thoughts on Leland getting to the Hall of Fame? I would say finally, but I don't know how long he's been on the ballot either. It's it's great. Um, he just got on the ballot this year, really. Um, it was a, a special committee that was created um, to, to take a look at more modern era players like this uh, instead of blocking them all out because somebody from 1930 isn't being considered. They split it up into different eras, so it kind of gave a new crack there. Put him on, and as soon as I found out he was on the list, this was a couple weeks ago, I wrote in five thoughts about him getting elected. And, and the reason I, I felt so comfortable to throw that out amongst, like, 
20 other names that were on that ballot is because to know Jimmy Leland is to love Jimmy Leland and everybody in baseball does. There just isn't anybody that would ever have a bad word to say about him on the media side, the player side, the, the ownership side, nobody would badmouth Jimmy Leland. So as soon as he came up on a ballot like that and it's getting voted on by those types of people, dude's going to get it right. So, so he's there. Um, Yeah. World series champion Kush the year um, he's got on his resume, Um, but he's from Pittsburgh and he is Pittsburgh and he still lives in Pittsburgh and he still keeps in contact with everybody. He's worked for Detroit for years as a scout. And when Derek Shelton was hired, he had a breakfast meeting with Jimmy Leland. <laughs> like that's that's how involved he still is. Um, people ask him for advice out of the blue that just don't have anything to do with the team he's working for or anything. <laughs> he's just a great guy. Um, he's my manager, man. Like you know, I'm sure there's a younger generation that probably look at Clint Hurdle the way I look at um, Jim Leland as far as like, you know, he brought winning baseball to me for the first time and I'll just, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget him for that at all. But this shines a brighter spotlight on Danny Murtaugh not being in. So I think we should turn our focus to like celebrating this and then moving on to campaigning for Murtaugh because it's an injustice that he's not in. And why, like, why is that? I will ask. I'm, I'm still freshening up on a lot of my uh, baseball history here. That's one of my 2024 goals is to actually go through and look through a I lot mean, of baseball history. Danny had a, a weird career. Like we're talking. Oh, I think he had four separate stints with the pirates, you know, over the course of 40 some years in baseball. <laughs> it feels like. Um, it started in the wartime and he won two world series, one in 1960, one in 1971. He stayed in the pirates front office when he would leave the dugout. So he never left the pirates organization. And when he saw the talent on this team in 1969 or 1967, he was like, yeah, put me back behind that dugout. (laughs) And then, you know, 70 took them to the NLCS, 71, the World Series. Um, Again, he's just a classic Pittsburgh Pirate, classic overlook. Um, From from that era, it was really hard to not be a Yankee or a Dodger or a Cardinal or, you know, and get in. It just was. They're just – those teams were stacked and – and managers really didn't get considered if they didn't have some kind of playing career for the longest time. So he's somebody that's going to have to come up on the veterans committee again, but he is in the pirates hall of fame. As he should be. I mean, I would say that as well. Um, Have heard his name before and knew that he was a world series guy. I just never knew about all the moving back and forth and the hall of fame also, is I think this is good to talk about from pirate like pirate standpoint because the Hall of Fame, I would say over the last four years has gotten a lot of crap. There's another word I want to say, but they have, and rightfully so to an extent. 
And most of you probably know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to create a whole tangent that I would go on for 30 minutes. Um, but for something like this to happen again, I mean, also you saw like pictures of Jim Leland and everything whenever it got announced. And you could just tell that everybody in that room was just genuinely happy for the guy. And then, of course, he's like Jake from State Farm with that whole thing. Comedic guy. I knew that about Jim Leland. I knew he was a really funny dude. And and it's nice for baseball, a sport that I think a lot of people tend to have very negative thoughts about on a very regular basis to finally see stuff like this in the offseason happen where it's like, okay, cool. Somebody that is beloved across all of baseball is getting recognized for it. And I think that's really where a lot of baseball with me comes from is who are the guys across baseball that were just beloved by people so much that if somebody yeah. said a bad word about them, they'd literally get cracked upside the head with a wooden bat. With managers, I'd say it's really hard, especially if they've done it in multiple places, because you're going to end up getting hated, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I just never felt that way with Jim. I never felt like other teams hated him. They may have hated <laughs> our players. And it's not like he was some shrinking violet. He would he would go out there and get involved in fisticuffs. There's like a real famous like picture of Joe West carrying him off the field from behind. <laughs> like, literally had him picked up in a bear hug, walking him off the field because he was out there fighting so hard for his club. Now Jimmy just somehow transcended all that. Nobody hated him. And Dusty Baker's another guy like that. Uh, you know, he tough competitor could be a real sob but nobody hated him you know everyone respects him i I just think there's some managers that kind of for some reason they just earn the respect of everyone around them and nobody questions you know anything like that yeah and i don't think they should great managers i think make great baseball and that's where we'll leave it at that today on today's episode of locked on pirates folks you can follow me on twitter at mvp underscore ethan or at locked on pirates or x whatever you want to call it you follow Gary over at GaryMo2007. Make sure you check out all of his stuff on Inside the Bucks Basement. It's Five Thoughts at Five that dropped yesterday. Pirates Fan Forum this Thursday. Audio comes out on Saturday. I have that correct. Okay, because I always get the video and audio mixed up. So make sure you guys check that out. And who do you have on the Fan Forum this week on Thursday? Uh, we're going to have Josh from uh, Bridge to Bucktober on. We're going to nerd out with some stats. Nice. Well, that sounds very lovely. I am off on a Thursday for once, so I'll probably watch before the Steelers-Patriots game. But, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday, and I will see you on the flip side.